Hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Health and Sport Show. My name is Tom Butterfield, and I am super happy to be your host today. Now, if you hammer a nail into a post, you can easily pull it back out, but it'll always leave a mark. Have you ever said anything in the heat of the moment that you instantly regretted? You apologise, but you can never completely erase what's happened. Now stick with us and we'll walk you through some tips that could help you never have to go through this again. You might be about to blurt out an insult, send a ranty text or deliver an aggressive email, or perhaps something is making you afraid or fearful. You might have watched the price of an asset go up and up and up and your finger is hovering over the buy button, but you're not sure. Or you might be getting ready to play in a big cup final. With all of these situations, whether it's anger, fear, euphoria or excitement, you feel that sea of emotion build up and it potentially results in saying something you regret, sending that text or email, buying the asset just as the bubble pops, or maybe it helps you perform to the best of your ability. In order to understand why such different situations can result in a similar physical response, we're going to need to take a look a bit deeper at how the physiology, which means the normal function of living organisms, and the psychology, which is the study of the human mind and its functions, especially the things that affect behaviour, and see how that physiology and psychology blend and mix together. So let's look at why this happens. The main chemicals that contribute to the fight or flight response when we're confronted by a threatening situation will also be present when you're about to step into the sporting arena. So you could say that fear and anger and excitement and happiness are opposite sides of the same coin. But what makes the difference between getting a rush of excitement that improves your physical performance and feeling totally terrorised to the length that your rational mind shuts down. Clinical studies show that it has everything to do with the psychological term context. When our thinking brain gives feedback to our emotional brain and we perceive ourselves as being in a safe space, we can then quickly shift the way we experience that high arousal state going from one of fear to one of enjoyment or excitement. When we watch a scary movie, for example, something makes you uh, jump. I wouldn't be watching scary movies, by the way. <laughs> I'm a nightmare. I can't watch them. So it makes you jump and you get that feeling in your stomach. But you know it's not really a threat. I don't. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I do really, but I don't, and I don't watch them. <laughs> so when you watch that scary movie, something makes you jump and you get that feeling in your stomach, but you know it's not really a threat. You can relabel that experience quite quickly. And you can say, oh, okay, maybe jump, but I'm okay. I'm not really getting chased by someone with a chainsaw. <laughs> On the other hand, 
if you were walking in a park at night and a group of people began chasing you with chainsaws, both your emotional and your thinking areas of the brain would be in agreement that the situation was a dangerous one. And it's time to do that fantastic Usain Bolt or Dina Asher-Smith impression and, and get yourself out of there. Fear is a reaction to what's going on in the environment around us. It starts in the brain and then it spreads through the body to get ready to defend itself or get you out of there as soon as possible. It all starts in a region of the brain called the amygdala. A threat stimulus such as the sight of a predator triggers a fear response in the amygdala, which activates areas that are involved for uh, preparing motor functions uh, involved in fight or flight. And it also triggers the release of stress hormones such as cortisol and gets the sympathetic nervous system going as well. Of course, it's not very often <laughs> that we're confronted by a predator, is it? <laughs> you know, depending where you live, of course, you could be listening to this in uh, a safari area where lions roam. But in the town where I live, you don't often see predators, to be honest with you. You don't often see lions and tigers and things like that uh, running around. You might see a few people have had a few beers, but they're not particularly uh, dangerous. But I'm sure a lot of you who live in similar geographical regions to me have probably been a victim of road rage. Maybe you've had a disagreement with a family member or a friend, or maybe you felt like you've been treated unfairly at work. Now, during these situations, the brain becomes sort of hyper alert. Your pupils dilate due to the sympathetic nervous system being triggered. Uh, the bronchi in the, in the lungs dilate and your breathing will start to accelerate. Your heart rate and your blood pressure rise, uh, blood flow and the stream of glucose to the uh, muscles of the body increases as well. Organs that aren't vital in this survival state such as the uh, gastrointestinal system, uh, slows down. So all the blood is sent, well, not all the blood, but more blood is sent to the areas that the brain feels it's going to need uh, in this response. A part of the brain called the hippocampus is closely connected with our friend, the amygdala. Now, the hippocampus and the prefrontal cortex help the brain to interpret the perceived threat. They're involved in a higher level processing of the context we talked about earlier, which helps a person know whether a sort of perceived threat, something they think is a threat, is actually a real threat. This is because the hippocampus and the frontal cortex process contextual information and these inhibitory pathways dampen the amygdala's fear response uh, in order to uh, think it down. So basically our thinking circuitry of the brain reassures our emotional areas, such as the amygdala, that we're in fact okay and we're safe. This process of a kind of reassurance, I suppose, can be quite difficult when you're still in the threatening or distressing situation that's triggered you in the first place. It goes without saying that if you're in a situation where you feel physically threatened, then you just need to remove yourself from there. You need to get out of there as quick as possible. Or if you've got no choice, then obviously you need to prepare to defend yourself. But ideally, you just you know put your running shoes on and off you go. However, in 
some cases where you've received uh, perhaps an aggressive text message or an unfair email or letter, or perhaps you're having a debate with a friend or family, these following tips might come in useful to reduce the risk of things escalating uh, and getting out of hand. So the first one is to remember the process. One of the most useful things is to understand why your body is reacting the way that it is. Fortunately, not many of us have to face conflict or threatening situations on a regular basis. Therefore, it can actually make it much more unsettling when it does happen. So hopefully by understanding why the brain and body react like they do, and that this reaction is in fact normal, can hopefully reduce the feeling of uncertainty. Next, we have the 10 minute rule. This is particularly relevant for written correspondence I've found. Uh, not so useful if you're in a, a conversation or a debate with someone. The email or text has come through, you read it, you don't really like what you've read, the amygdala's kicked in, the hippocampus has perceived a threat there and your body is now feeling the effects of the fight or flight response. The emotional brain is gripped in control right now and the thinking brain is taking a major backseat and you really want to click that reply button, don't you? <laughs> but now is not the best time to articulate your response. <laughs> no, it's not. Well done if you said no. Uh, but how many of us have actually done that in reality? It's really hard, isn't it? <laughs> and now hopefully you understand a bit more about why it is that hard. It's in our physiology to defend ourselves when we're threatened. But when it's a written correspondence, we're not actually in any real danger here. The best thing to do is remember tip number one above. Recognize the response your body is going through and that this feeling will pass given time because your thinking brain, the hippocampus, is going to help inhibit and calm down and reassure the amygdala that the threat actually isn't real. It's okay. So give yourself at least 10 minutes before you respond. And this will allow that thinking brain and the emotional brain uh, to gain a bit of balance, you know, get that thinking brain a bit more on a level uh, playing field at least. If after 10 minutes you still feel very emotional and your heart's pounding and all that sort of thing, leave it a little bit longer until you feel more settled. This way your response has got the chance to be much, much more measured and based on fact and evidence rather than just an emotional outburst that just inflames the situation further. And thirdly, we need to look to do the right thing. None of us are perfect. And sometimes we will fall foul and lash out emotionally. It's fact. We've all been there and we'll all be there again, I'm sure. And later, we might feel a bit of regret, wish we could take it back. And in cases like this, 
do the difficult right thing and I don't know perhaps say something like uh, you know I'm I'm sorry I felt threatened I was scared and I reacted emotionally without giving it time to think things through but once I've had time to I don't know cool off it was obvious that I'd overstepped the mark uh, I understand if you're upset and again I'm truly, truly sorry. It's probably best not to blame the amygdala directly and <laughs> go through a big sort of scientific or neuro uh, flowchart here. Uh, taking responsibility and ownership uh, for our actions is tough. It's difficult, but it is the best way to start that reconciliation process, in my opinion. If the other person chooses not to take you up on that, then that's up to them. That's their decision. And sometimes we will experience that. But at least you know that you did the right thing and you can try and learn from it in the future because that's what it's all about. We all make mistakes, but can we learn from them? Can we be that little bit better tomorrow than we were today? So in summary, everybody reacts to threats and uncertainty in a similar way. Uh, emotional brain, uh, the amygdala will recognize the threat and our body will react accordingly. And hopefully our thinking brain can supply us with some context and this can help us to feel safe again and put things into perspective. By understanding that the process that our brain and body go through is normal, can hopefully help us to develop some tactics to deal with those situations where we're not directly physically threatened. One of those tactics is to take some time to allow your brain to regain some emotional and thinking balance before you react or lash out. And if you don't quite manage to do that, try and be the bigger person, hold your hand up and just admit that you could have handled the situation better. But thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it useful. Hope the neuroscience wasn't too uh, baffling. I'm sure it wasn't. If there is anything that you'd like me to clarify or go into in deeper detail, if you're quite interested in this area, then please do feel free to send us an email at info at elevatehealthuk.com or you can find us and ask questions on our YouTube channels, on Facebook, Instagram, all of those social media handles will be in the show notes below. So just get in contact with us. If there's any question you want us to answer, then please feel free to answer, uh, ask it in one of our uh, uh, other channels, if not this one. And if you'd really like to help us out, something that really does move the needle for us is if you're kind enough to take a few minutes of your time to leave a review on perhaps Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast, it really does make a difference for us. It really helps us to get great feedback on the show and try and make it even better for you. Always happy to get a five-star review, you know, who isn't? But it's the feedback we're looking for. So if you do leave a five-star review, please let us know what it is that you like. But if there is any constructive feedback, say you want to leave us a one or a two-star review, that's fine. You know, we're not going to, uh, you know, have our egos wrecked and give up or anything like that. We're going to use that feedback to try and make the show even better next time. So thanks again. 
Take care of yourselves and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.